A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. Before I get started, I wanted to thank everyone who has been listening and sending me such positive feedback about these this podcast and the episodes. I'd like to read this review from Apple Podcasts from Sace Case. Sace Case writes, so many ahas listening to Katie. I am loving each and every interview. Thank you for creating this podcast. Also, I would love to learn more about Katie's story. Well, good news. I was actually interviewed for an episode that's going to be coming up in the future. One of my guests asked me the questions that I ask all of my guests, and it was really fun, and I'm looking forward to airing that in a few weeks. Also, you know we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from any of you out there who are enjoying this podcast. Let me know if I'm on the right track with this thing and um, if you're enjoying these conversations as much as I am. So you can take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using that allows you to give reviews. Or if that's too much, you can just pause right now and take a few seconds and just drop me a five-star rating, and that would be great. Okay, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Moving on to this episode, I interview Melissa Helmick. Melissa is a birth and parenthood photographer who lives in southeastern Virginia with her husband, her three rambunctious children, and their dog, Lily. Melissa is also finishing training to be a birth, postpartum, and bereavement doula. And during our conversation, we discuss so many things, including the difficulties we face when seeking a diagnosis, like when doctors just aren't on your side, or when you yourself are constantly questioning whether you need help at all, and the emotional roller coaster ride of finding the right medication. We also talk about emotional regulation in motherhood and how sleep deprivation and the noise and chaos of young children can make you feel like such a failure at everything and how to deal with that chronic overwhelm. Now, I'm going to give this episode a big trigger warning. Melissa and I get really vulnerable in this episode, and we discuss some pretty serious topics, including domestic violence, sexual assault, miscarriage, infertility, abortion, and PTSD. So if you're feeling like any of those topics might be difficult to listen to, then you might want to move on to another episode. If you've ever felt pre-diagnosis, like something is not right with me, but you couldn't put your finger on it and you couldn't find the support you need, then this episode is definitely for you. Enjoy. Uh, so anyway, welcome, Melissa. I'm so excited to have you joining me. I've been really looking forward to speaking with you. I um, have become a super fan of your photography since doing my homework. Oh, thanks. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. I've never um, been on a podcast. So when you messaged me, I was like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah, I've had, I've just been having such a fun time doing this. I don't know if it'll, I really hope it resonates with other women because I love it. Um, But even if it doesn't, I'm still just so much enjoying the process and getting to learn from other women, especially women who have been diagnosed fairly recently. So you were a couple months ago, right? Yeah, actually, I'm the end of August. Okay, so I'm I'm calling these pandemic diagnoses. <laughs> I, I, you know, you won't catch me saying this very often, but I am actually thankful for the pandemic because I don't think that without it, I would have found out about this as soon as I did. And I think it would have had much more um, consequences um, for, you know, my life and my family and everything. So thank you, COVID-19. That's an excellent way of looking at it and, and reframing. I uh, also am grateful to the pandemic for that reason. I think not only did I really get to a point where I needed to address some of my symptoms that had escalated and, and really kind of look into something I had been suspecting for years, um, but also seeing it in my, my nine-year-old son with remote learning. I don't know if I would have recognized it as much or, you know, as quickly as I would having seen sort of how he operates and, and what he's stuck with and uh, what he gets stuck on and how he easily frustrated he is. And it brings about a whole new perspective for a lot of things for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about what happened. What, what first led you to think you might have it? I know you said your partner has it, um, but what sort of led up to your being convinced that you also have it and then what led up to your diagnosis? Um, so, um, just a real quick, uh, backstory just because it plays into it. Um, I'm a domestic violence and sexual assault survivor. Um, my, um, my oldest and my middle child, my husband adopted, but my oldest child's birth father, um, abused me for, um, about five years. And, um, so I have a lot of PTSD from that and I've had anxiety my whole life, but you know, nothing formally diagnosed. And, um, I've only been away from, my son's birth father for five years this year. And, um, I hadn't quite reached the point, you know, like my husband knows some things that have happened. Um, my best friend of 20 years lives here with me. Um, and she knows some things that have happened, but I just haven't reached a point where I'm like, I really want to talk about this. Um, and so I moved, um, here to Virginia. And, um, when I met my husband, you know, I thought things were pretty good and, um, you know, I knew he had ADHD because, you know, his, when I met his, my mother-in-law and, you know, he would say, oh yeah, I was, you know, that, that typical, what we always think about with ADHD, you know, hyper little boy, um, you know, so I knew about that, but I was completely, um, ignorant to, you know, a whole lot when it came to ADHD. I really honestly was one of the people that thought, oh, well, it's just, you know, the hyperactive, can't sit still, you know, type of thing. Same. Um, I, it's, it's, uh, it's been a thing. Um, my mom, my poor mom, I'll get to that in a second. But, um, (laughs) so, um, everything seemed like it was, it was fairly fine. Um, and then two months after my husband and I got married, um, I found out that I was two months pregnant and I ended up suffering a miscarriage Um, and it was my first one. Um, but I never got the positive on the test. So while it was upsetting, I don't feel like it hit me that hard. 
because I had never actually seen that positive. Um, and so I was okay after that. Um, and then I ended up having another miscarriage, uh, several months later. And then after that, I suffered with some infertility and it kind of spiraled for a little while. Um, and you know, all the while I thought it was just anxiety and depression. Um, you know, I had gained weight. I didn't, you know, I started losing interest in photography and that's my thing. Like for my entire life, that is my outlet. And, um, you know, again, I just, I really thought it was depression. I was like, yeah, I'm depressed. This sucks, but you know, whatever (laughs) a mom of two, like we must push on. Um, and so I ended up um, becoming pregnant with my youngest and last child, um, after about six months or so of infertility and the pregnancy was rough. And then afterwards, um, I, really wanted to breastfeed so bad. It was like a a very important thing to me. Um, and it just, things didn't work out. And I love that little boy so much, but oh my gosh, he tests me in every single way possible. And if he was my first child, he would have been my only child. Um, (laughs) and so through all of that, it brings us up to up through, um, the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, my husband and I, you know, we, we're partners. We, we argue, you know, we have some fights and disagreements and everything. Um, nothing too awful, but I didn't realize how bad it had gotten, um, until he spoke to my best friend. He, you know, she's very good at being Switzerland and, um, you know, she's like, you need to talk to your husband. And I was like, um, okay, that doesn't sound very nice. What's it about? And she wouldn't tell me. So I got home and we talked and I didn't realize what I thought was just depression, you know, was secretly also the ADHD and everything. I didn't realize how much my relationship with my husband and my children, um, had been affected. And so, um, I also had two surgeries in my first year of postpartum time. And it was then that I found my, my new primary care doctor and I, she's great. I loved her. And finally, um, things with my business right when COVID started, I was like, I am really going to dig into this in the birth scene. You know, I'm going to really look over my pricing and my, you know, everything. And and this is going to be my year. You know, I think everybody probably said that. I know we all said that. Yeah. (laughs) I am not saying that going into 2021. Let me tell you. (laughs) Um, but so right when that happened, you know, then COVID happened and schools were closed and I was like, Oh, well, screw this. Why even bother now? You know, I couldn't get into hospitals for births. Um, I lost three clients right off the bat. That was over $3,000. And it just sent that spiral even further. And so I went to my primary or no, it was after it was the, um, I'm sorry, I had, um, a hernia repair. And during that there was complications with, um, intubating. And so they sent me to a sleep doctor and it looked like I might've had, sleep apnea. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, after looking it up, that explains a lot. I'm tired all the time. Um, you know, I'm cranky, I'm depressed, you know, I gained a lot of weight. Okay. That makes sense. Well, after my sleep study, it came back that, you know, I, it was inconclusive, but I probably didn't have it. And so I went to my primary and I was like, doc, I don't know what's, what's wrong, but something's wrong. I can't do it anymore. I don't like who I am. I don't like the mother that I am. I don't like the wife that I am. Um, Help. (laughs) And so 
this is, I still see her. I'm not thrilled. And I feel like a lot of women with ADHD have probably experienced something similar. But, um, at first she told me, she's like, you're a mom of three. Um, and cause I told her my house was like super cluttered. I couldn't keep it clean. I just, I couldn't do it. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And she's like, well, you're a mom of three. You need to basically like lower my expectations. Mm. And I was like, um, okay, well, you know, that's fine. And I don't need my house to be perfect, but it is so far beyond anything close to perfect that it needs to, I, like, I need it fixed, you know? So lowering my expectations isn't going to help unless I completely just have no expectations. Um, so she mentioned medication and she mentioned, um, one for, um, anxiety. Oh, I think it was the abuse bar. And she mentioned something else. I forget what other one it was. Um, and I was going to see her again in a week after some blood work. Um, and it turned out that I had some, I needed some vitamins and stuff, but so I went to one of my, um, semi crunchy groups, I guess, is that what they call it? Um, and I was like, you know, has anyone taken these medications? You know, I'd really just like to get some, you know, personal, um, uh, experiences, I guess, from it. And, um, a local doula actually, um, reached out and she messaged me privately and she goes, do you have ADHD? And I was like, and at first I was kind of offended. I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, uh, no, I was like, pretty sure. Like I would have known since I was a kid. And that was when she, you know, mentioned that, you know, it's not the same in girls and women. Um, and that we often go undiagnosed. And I was like, no, nah, I mean, okay, like I'll, I'll look at what you're sending me, but I, I don't have that. That's not, you know, that's not what's going on here. And she sent me like this self-assessment and it wasn't like just one of those, you know, web page quiz things. It was like a legit, you know, self-assessment. And I was like, all right, well, it can't hurt. Let's, let's just do it. And sure enough, by the time I was done with it and I, my husband was sitting right next to me when we did it pretty much every check mark would lead me to believe that, you know, I very well had ADHD. And I was like, um, okay. So I was like, well, I see my primary, I'll, I'll bring it with me. You know, I didn't, I'm very informed when it comes to medical care. I also have a degree in medical assisting. Um, so I, I look up a lot of stuff. I'm very knowledgeable, you know, and I feel like a lot of doctors don't like that. Um, so, I went in and I, I brought it with me and, um, I told her that if we did try a medication that I would rather try, you know, the anti-anxiety, you know, rather than an antidepressant. Um, I just weighed the, you know, pros and cons. And then I said to her, I was like, by the way, I was like, you know, um, a friend of mine mentioned this and I took this self-assessment and I mentioned, you know, is it possible that I could have ADHD? And literally she didn't even look at the assessment she said, no, she's like, you would have had, you would have known since you were a kid. And I was, and it, so in my head, because I didn't know any better, I was like, well, yeah, she's right. I mean, okay. Wait, is this the same woman who also told you to lower your expectations? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> find that paradox. <laughs> oh, but okay. Moving um, on. So I, you know, I left and not that I felt that I definitely did have ADHD, but I was like, this is not just anxiety. This is not just depression. This is not just, you know, unprocessed uh, PTSD. Like this, something's wrong. Something is wrong with me. I don't know what it is. And, you know, I, I need to figure it out. And so I went home 
And I talked to the same doula and I talked to um, another photographer friend who um, has ADHD and, you know, they mentioned a lot of the executive functioning issues. And I was like, that literally describes my whole life, like everything. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'll get a second opinion. I will see a psychiatrist. And I was confused too, because I was like, do I see a psychologist, psychiatrist? What's the difference? I'm confused. Right. Um, and so literally I stayed up and I was so upset about it, but I was like, I can't sit here and wait, you know, especially cause it was right in the middle of COVID. Like nobody was seeing patients really. I was like, I can't deal with this for another, you know, however long, because you know, it could be a month or two or whatever till I get an appointment. And then aside from that, then I have to talk to them. Then I have to do, you know, whatever assessments they're going to do, you know, and I read that that could take like six months. And I was like, I can't, I just, I cannot, I can't do that. And so I went to the internet and I said, internet, um, can I get diagnosed with ADHD online? And, um, I actually found a website. It was legit. It was 150 bucks out of pocket, um, insurance. I could have submitted maybe, but I was like, I don't even care. And they are licensed, um, psychiatrists and psychologists all over the world or well, all over the country for sure. Um, and they just are licensed in multiple States and you do this 60 minute, um, assessment. And then at the end of it, within like three days, um, they will send you your results. And I, I got mine that day. Like I took mine at like five o'clock in the morning. I was so upset. And I I said to my husband, I was like, I'm spending 150 bucks. Like I'm doing this. And he's like, okay. He's like, you know, if, if you think that's what you need to do, then let's do it. And I was like, all right. And so, um, I, uh, I got my results back like only several hours later. And as soon as I saw the email come in, like I froze, I was sitting on the couch and I just froze. And I was like, okay, either what, you know, no matter what it says, you know, we'll just, we'll deal with whatever it says and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do this. We'll figure it out. And I read it. And when it said that I had combined type ADHD, I literally burst into tears because for the first time it made so much sense. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I applaud you for advocating for yourself. Um, I think that can be so difficult. And I know for me, when I went to get my official diagnosis, I had such anxiety because I felt like, uh, you know, I was, what is she, what do I do if she says I don't have this? Because I felt so understood and so seen by the literature and the community and, and had done all of yes. this research, just sort of felt this overwhelming sense of understanding and validation and all of that you know, there was, it felt like there was so much at stake. And so I think, you know, like you were saying with the online diagnosis, by the time you even get to the point where you're saying I'm spending $150 on this diagnosis, like you already know in your bones <laughs> that, that you have this, well, you know? And, and that was another thing too, besides the whole, like, I don't want to wait forever to get in was what if I see a doctor that doesn't even believe in adult ADHD for that matter? You know, cause I had heard horror stories about that. Um, I had joined a group um, it was, geez, it changed its name. It was like progressive women for, with ADHD and slash autism. Um, and it's basically like, um, anyone who identifies as female or non-binary, it's like a, a group for that. Um, it's pretty progressive. And I had joined that before the 
the um, diagnosis. And I just saw horror story after horror story of either, you know, um, they said that I didn't have it, um, that boys only get it or that adults don't have ADHD. And I'm like, this is horrifying. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And so I just thought this 80, it was like ADHD online assessment.com or something like that. And I just figured, I was like, you know, if they have this, they're not going to be like that. Like there's no way that they will be one of those type of people. Um, and so, I mean, it was 150 bucks well spent. Yeah. I have seen those online. Definitely. And that's not to say that I wasn't very, you know, skeptical. I was like, crap, like, what if this isn't as legit as I think? And I just wasted all my money. But it, it was, it was, it was so worth it. Well, and any of the skepticism in the medical community about people who are just seeking meds recreationally, I mean, I think, you know, this is where, um, you know, people might be a little concerned about these online companies who might just be trying to make money off of people. But I also feel like, Again, like there's such a sense of, uh, you know, just knowing so deeply that this is what is happening to you. If you're willing, I mean, I don't feel like so that many people would be spending the money to go online just to get recreational drugs. Oh yeah, no, absolutely not. And I mean, I've also, I am with my ex. And so I completely understand that a lot because with my ex, my, um, the, my abuser, he, I was a very good non troublemaking person before I met him. And when I got with him, it was just like, all that went out the window. I was like, Ooh, the party guy, let me, let me go along with this. And so, um, there was a time when I was addicted to, um, you know, opiates and things like that. And that was another thing I was like, what if they think, you know, because I'm very honest about that. And I'm not ashamed of it. You know, that was a part of my life. And at first, yes, it was something that, you know, I went along with. And then after a while, it was something I had to do because he said so. And I was, you know, so I'm, I'm very open with all my physicians about it. And I was like, what if they, you know, won't help me um, because of that? Like, what if they think that I'm just trying to get something? And then I was like, oh, God, and what if I do get on medication and, you know, it brings up all these feelings of, oh, geez, you're on a controlled substance, you know, and it triggers things from then. I think that just goes to show how often we tend to gaslight ourselves when oh, it comes to... We're definitely our worst enemy, yeah. for sure. Um, so speaking of meds, are did you end up going on them? Um, I did. So when I, um, I, after I got the diagnosis, I was like, okay, so now what? Like, you know, they don't prescribe medications or anything like that. They just do the diagnosis. And I was like, uh, now what? And so, um, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And that was, that was another reason why I was kind of like, okay, this sounds pretty legit. You know, I, I know that there are like, you know, legit places that will prescribe, you know, medications like that online, but I, you know, I don't know of any personally. So I was like, well, they don't give the medication. So, you know, it can't be too bad. Um, and so another good friend of mine, um, locally, um, she's a, a very talented photographer. Um, she, is a mom of two now. Um, and she has ADHD as well. And, um, I had asked her, I was like, Hey, um, yeah. And I, and I had talked to her about this too. So she knew what was going on. And I was like, can I have the name of your doctor? Like I need to see someone. And, um, so I, you know, contacted them and made an appointment and I, um, sent them, you know, the results of the assessment and everything. Cause they give you, um, it's like a legit document, um, 
when you uh, get your results, they not only send you the email, but they give you a document to print out and send to um, whatever doctor you go to. And so um, it's a picture you like bringing your diploma to the office. <laughs> here, here is proof of, of graduation. Um, I, know, I, I always joke. I'm like, this was the first test I aced. <laughs> right. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the nurse practitioner, I've spoken to the, um, and this has all been over the phone because of COVID and everything, which to be honest is a blessing because I'm not allowed to take my kids to any appointments anymore. And when you have no family around and you are pretty much late to almost all your appointments, like all the time, you know, it's, it's just a blessing that they do it over the phone and I don't have to worry about like, Oh crap, I'm running late and I'm not going to get there. There's traffic or, Oh my God, who's going to watch my kids. Um, but I've, I've only spoken to the actual psychiatrist a few times. Um, I pretty much talked to the nurse practitioner and she is fantastic. They do like an overall, um, approach. So they like ask your full health history, um, which I love. Um, and so when we first talked, you know, I pretty much gave her the rundown. I was like, listen, um, not trying to self-diagnose here, but I know I have PTSD. I have anxiety, depression, um, you know, so <laughs> help me out. Um, and so they tried me on Wellbutrin at first, and I was really nervous about that because my best friend um, had been on it a long time ago, and she said it made her want to kill herself. And so I was like, um, I've been down that road before. I really don't want to go back down that way. Um, but then I was, I reminded myself, I was like, well, she's a different person. Medications affect everybody differently. I was like, you know, what's the harm in giving it a try? Um, and they were very adamant on like, if you don't like something or if you don't feel right, call us because, um, I said, I would try it. And, um, I had only been on it. Like I, I took it the first day and I remember feeling like I had more energy, which they said, you know, could happen. And I was like, Oh, great. You know, I feel like I have some energy, but the horrible part about it was, it was like, I didn't know what to do with the energy. Like that was the only thing, like the executive functioning was not helped at all. The focus wasn't there. And so here I am with all this energy and I'm like freaking out inside my own head. Cause I'm like, I need to do something, but I can't. And so it was like almost painful. And then, um, I want to say it was the second day I took it. Um, I start, I was like super emotional and I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I don't like this. I was like angry one second and then sobbing in the kitchen. Um, and I was afraid to call them because, um, I didn't want them to think, you know, Oh, she didn't even give it a shot. Um, and so I, but I, I called them anyway. And I was like, I don't mean to be a pain. Like I'm really, and like, I was crying and I was like, I'm so sorry to bother you. And they're like, we told you, if you don't like it, do not hesitate to call. We don't care if you were on it a day. If you don't like it, you're, we're not going to make you take it. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> um, so we try, and I think I had tried two doses of the Wellbutrin, like two different milligrams, um, and so after that, um, back when I was in college, um, about 10 years ago, um, I was never diagnosed with anything, but I had just told my doctor that I was having a really hard time focusing. Um, and he had tried me on, um, Ritalin and Adderall. The Ritalin was awful and the Adderall worked. Um, 
And so I told my psychiatrist that, or the nurse practitioner, but I didn't want, I was also afraid that if I said the Wellbutrin wasn't working well, that she'd be like, oh, she just wants the, well, the, the um, Adderall. That's all she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that, uh, sorry to interject, but it's funny that uh, ADHD was never even mentioned back then when both Ritalin and Adderall were prescribed. Yeah, because she asked me, she's like, Did, you know, were you um, diagnosed with anything? I was like, no, he never even said why he was giving them. He just said, here, try this medication, you know, let me know if it works or it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but, you know, at like 18, 19 years old, you don't really, you know, whatever, okay. <laughs> you just take the things and, you know, go about your day. Um, but so I have been on um, Adderall since... September. Um, and for the most part, I think we've kind of nailed down the, um, the dose. It's just, it seems like every day at like three, four o'clock, I get really super anxious all of a sudden. And it, it like, it's like everything sensory and everything just rushes back. Um, so they have me taking, um, it, I'm on 20 milligrams of Adderall, the extended release. And then I take the, um, Buspar, um, five milligrams every day at three o'clock. Um, she's hoping, um, I think she said it takes like four weeks before I'll even really be able to tell if it's going to work, but she's hoping that that will help the anxiety. Um, but so far no luck. Um, but I do know some folks have said that, you know, if that doesn't work, maybe I just need like a little bit of a booster at the end of the day or something like my body's, um, getting rid of it too quickly. And so I'm like, uh, I think like, what do they call it? Like the Adderall crash, I think is what someone said it was. Um, I do hear about a lot of, I, I do hear that a lot of people sort of taking it in the morning and then having it wear off in the afternoon and to, to various symptoms. Yeah. And I mean, my, my therapist suggested, you know, why don't I maybe ask to try Vyvanse because it, the come down off of it, he said is much, uh, much slower. It's not like, in terms of like a hill, it's not as much of a decline. Um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's possible. I was like, but the Adderall works for me. I really don't want to like jump ship and here we go. Let's try another one because I'll be honest, trying the different doses and, you know, not having enough of a dose, it, it was a lot and it wore me out. Like it was stressful and emotional. (laughs) It's exhausting. I mean, yes. and just that level of like observe, self-observation and constantly questioning whether something is actually happening or not, it, it's totally exhausting. I think for anyone, not even just a mother with... <laughs> yes. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With GoHenry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. So when you say it's been working, what do you what do you what does that mean? Um, 
so I, I will say that like, it is not like, I think part of me felt like, Oh, I'm going to be on medication. It'll be this wonder drug that will fix all the problems. But, um, it has helped some things. Um, other things that kind of, I don't know if it necessarily makes it worse, but it hasn't helped. Um, the, the, the wonderful ability to talk a mile a minute and overshare is still there full swing. <laughs> um, you know, and then interrupting my husband, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's still there. Um, but I can say without a doubt, um, my ability to focus, um, or the, the biggest problem and the way I can, the reason I can see this is my house wasn't dirty, like, you know, food left out or like mold or, you know, anything like that. It was just clutter everywhere. And I've been that way my whole life. I just thought that I was a super sensitive, uh, messy, even possibly lazy person. And that's just who I was. Um, and it, it was so bad. Like I didn't even want to be in my own house. Like I could feel it as soon as I would walk in the house and I could see and feel the clutter. And I'm like, the, the level of anxiety was, was through the roof. And, um, the Adderall has definitely helped me, um, I'm able now to look at a room and instead of going into, okay, Hey, I'm going to clean the kitchen today. And I go into the kitchen and before Adderall, I would look around and be like, all right, well, I guess I'll just start with the bar. Um, and you know, if it doesn't, I always had this thing, if it doesn't belong where you're cleaning, you get it out and take it where, you know, where it belongs. So let's say I found something that belonged in my bedroom. Okay, come on, let's go to the bedroom, put you where you belong. But then on my way, I'd be in the office or even get to my bedroom and be like, oh, look, well, I found this other thing that doesn't belong in the bedroom. Let me put that away. And then yep. by the time my husband gets home, he, w- he has never said anything. Like he's never been like, what did you do today? Or anything like that. But by the time he'd get home, I'd be sitting there apologizing. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I swear to God, I was not just sitting like a lazy bum on the couch all day. Like I, I really tried. It's just like, instead of getting the whole kitchen done, I got like a smidge in every single room done. Um, and it, it just, it compounded. And to be honest, my unmanaged ADHD has made my husband's worse. Like he has been his whole adult life without medication and ours, our symptoms play off of each other so bad. Like when he sees me not wanting to get up and clean when I should, he doesn't want to. Um, and so now I can, I can look in a room and be like, all right, I'm going to start with this. And it, it's even helped. Like, you know, I can clearly make a list like, okay, one through five. And I can't go to number two until I get number one done. Um, and so on and so forth. And so the Adderall has helped me man- be able to do that. Um, it's helped me to focus, to stay on track. Um, you know, it gives me the energy. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't feel exhausted because I mean, let's be real. I have a seven, four and one and a half year old, <laughs> but, um, I don't feel the level of exhaustion where I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? Right. I think the follow through is a big one I've been hearing, you know, just that ability, like you said, to stay on task. I think that's definitely for me, what I look for the most. I don't have a, I don't have a lot of problems when I think of stimulants, I don't have a lot of problem with energy or, or hyper-focus uh, or my brain going a mile a minute. My problem is, like you said, I go from room to room and getting distracted. And then, you know, it's the, if you give a mouse a cookie, <laughs> it's 
and never being able to actually finish the the uh, first thing I started. Oh yeah, and then like you know, I I'm in therapy now because my when I when I first the first phone call with my psychiatrist, you know, not only did they say okay, we're going to try you on this medication, but we really recommend that you see a therapist because I didn't know, but my my ADHD causes a lot of anxiety, but I also have generalized anxiety disorder in itself. Plus I have PTSD. And so, cause I, I didn't understand. I was like, well, why, what is, what does therapy for my traumas have to do with my ADHD? I'm confused. Cause I, like I said, I'm, I still wasn't at a point where I wanted to talk about it. And she's like, the problem is she's like, we can't figure out is your PTSD triggering your ADHD you know, whatever's triggering you and causing all this anxiety and all these things, we don't know which comorbidity it is. And I was like, oh, holy crap. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I was like, okay. Um, and so with the, the follow through and um, I mean, I, I still hyper-focus. I, I think I've always done that though. But like the one day I was cleaning the dining room And next thing I know, my husband comes home and here I am scrubbing the underneath of the table. And and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I can't leave the, I can't like when I clean a room, I cannot leave it until that room is done. Like done, done. Maybe with the exception of mopping the floors because there's no mopping with kids. Um, But I was like, well, I noticed that there was this dirt here on, you know, on the underside or like this crud or whatever. And so when I looked, you know, I just, when was the last time we cleaned under the table? And so then an hour later, you know, the entire table's clean. Um, so the hyper-focus is still very much there. Um, but I think I kind of welcome it sometimes, at least when I'm on, when I'm on my medication, I welcome it because when I'm off of it, usually it's non-productive things that I'm hyper-focusing on like Facebook or, you know, a game on my phone, but at least when it's during the day and the Adderall's going, you know, full, full blast, it's productive. So it's, it's not too bad. Um, but I can say that my house, it's not perfect. Um, although I still struggle with needing perfection. Um, but I think that's another ADHD thing in itself. Um, I have kids, so it's not perfect, but this is the most, tidy, um, non cluttered or not as cluttered that my house has been since we moved into this house two years ago. And I think you probably saw the connection between feeling like you were out of control in your home and how that affected you emotionally, you know, that, that there was like, when you went to the doctor and said, my house is constantly messy. It's driving me crazy. And she said, lower your expectations. You have three young kids. <laughs> uh, just live with it. It'll, it'll eventually get better. You know, the fact that you're able to sort of make the connections between like these parts of your life that are out of control and how they um, affect your ability to function like on a basic level, I think is really important too. Well, does and to be, it does. And to be honest, I... My husband would never leave me and he loves me and I know that, but I knew that, and especially with the therapy too, like I said, I wasn't ready and I'm still not, and I don't want to talk about it, but I'm starting to, and I knew that I needed to figure out what was going on because if I didn't and 
COVID, like I said, COVID was the, the, the thing that really pushed me to hit bottom. Like, you know, my husband, my mom, my best friend, they're like, you know, you should go talk to a therapist, not in a rude, like jerky way or anything, but I just kept telling them all off basically. And I was like, I don't want to. And then it was COVID when I finally hit rock bottom for myself and I saw it for myself. When I looked in the mirror, I finally realized the one day my kids are going to grow up and hate me because of the way that I act and because like too much sound and the clutter, like I was just miserable. I screamed all the time and I'm, I'm not a screaming mom or at least I never wanted to be. Um, but I was like, my kids are going to grow up to hate me and only remember me as the mom that yelled all the time. And I might lose my husband, you know, my marriage is, and my family are at stake here. Um, and so I did it a lot for myself, but I did it for them too. I so relate with that. I mean, I certainly, I had postpartum depression and anxiety with both of my children. Uh, they're four years apart. And, and with my second, I was determined to breastfeed him as long as possible oh. because I felt, I felt guilty that I had only breastfed my daughter for three months. And so I know that so well. Right. And it's just like the pressure that we put ourselves put on ourselves. And so I was like, I am going to breastfeed him for much longer. And he was also a really difficult baby. Had he had probably like eight ear infections from the oh, time he gosh. was four months old and 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 was just not sleeping. And oh, mine doesn't sleep either. What do you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know, it's funny because like looking back, um, I realized like this was my the sleep deprivation, I was incapable of controlling my emotions. And so I had all of these emotional outbursts against yeah. my, my husband and my four-year-old daughter and not as much with her, but, you know, just feeling so guilty all the time because everything was my fault. And I was a terrible mother and a terrible wife. And all I wanted was to just breastfeed my son. And because I was so focused on, on this. And I remember my husband saying to me, and, and you know, I didn't want to wean because or I didn't want to go on antidepressants while I was breastfeeding because I just felt like there wasn't enough research into the drugs right. that were quote unquote safe. Um, but I also knew I was getting to this breaking point with lack of sleep and the ear infections and um, just, you know, having these meltdowns all the time. Did you feel like a book. monster? Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> my, he said to me once, he said, you know, I realized this is, you know, something you is that's important to you. And I support you no matter what you want to do, but you also have a husband and a four-year-old daughter. Yep. That was <laughs> like cheering up, even just thinking about it. And that was like almost 10 years ago, but just like, I just remember, you know, feeling so at a loss and, and, and that was kind of what, what finally switched for me where I was like, you're right, this is not important. And I weaned him and I went on the antidepressants and but now looking back with this new lens of ADHD, I realize you know, a lot of my postpartum depression and anxiety, I think, was my inability to um, uh, handle emotional regulation yep. because of the sleep deprivation and the, and this, the, um, um, this, uh, what's it called? Like, you know, overload stimulation, you know, yes. sensory overload. Oh my gosh. The sensory overload, like, Ooh, I, I still struggle with that really bad. And I think that's why, like, I might be honest with my, um, I mean, I'm still going to give the, um, the abuse bar a little bit longer and everything, but it's not helping yet. And I think that's one thing I'm going to communicate is be like, listen, um, you know, if it, unless it does change, you know, I need something in the afternoons to boost me back up. Like, even if it's like a, a five or 10 milligram instant release or something, because 
this like three, four o'clock every day, it's like every sensory overload thing that can happen happens. And it like, I feel so bad because it's the time my husband's getting home, but like, I can't handle when I'm talking to him and there's so much noise in the background. It, it, it's like, it's painful and I can't, I just can't, um, you know, and I, I would catch myself like screaming and freaking out. I'm like everybody just shut up. And like, I don't like talking to my kids and saying shut up to my kids. Cause I, I mean, it's rude, you know, to anybody, but then especially to your kids. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I was like, what is wrong with me? You know? And I've only, let's see, it's December now. So what, three months, give or take that I've been on this ADHD journey. And while there's a lot of, um, things on the upswing, there's still a lot of struggles. And I, I just, people really don't get it, but it's been so nice. The few groups that I'm in and the, the entrepreneur group, you know, like I don't feel alone and I don't feel psycho. Um, I don't even like saying that. Um, I don't feel like something is actually wrong with me. Like I, I don't feel alone. And I know my husband has ADHD, but it's just not the same, you know, and he knew since he was a child and it's almost like a identity crisis, I guess, because, you know, 28 years of my life, you know, I just thought that I was lazy, messy, and, you know, really sensitive. Everyone's like, Oh, you're so sensitive. You're so emotional. Why are you crying all the time? You know, and here it is, you know, it, and my mom felt so guilty because she's, you know, she's like, I, I missed it. She's like, how did I miss that? I was like, mom, I was like, don't blame yourself. You would never have known. I was like, there's no way that you could have figured that out. It was be- like, because, you know, it wasn't a thing for girls back then. You know, I was like, do not blame yourself. And then, um, I don't know if you know, but I, I read that it's hereditary and I was, and I feel like maybe I get it from my mom. And she was like, huh, well, and she's like, here I am at 40 some years old. Maybe I have ADHD. I was like, maybe you do mom. <laughs> I think there are far, far more women out there who have no idea. Oh, absolutely. Because they, society normalizes this whole, like, you know, oh, you know, it's, you're just a struggling mom. Like it's normal. And one thing, and I, I say this across the board with everything, um, a lot of medical things is just because something is common does not mean it's normal. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> like I, I, you know, it, the best analogy I can give is, um, being in the, in the birth community, I see a lot of women say, Oh, well, you know, I'm X amount of time postpartum, be it, you know, months, years, decades, you know, and geez, when I cough or sneeze or jump, I pee myself a little. And I keep telling them, I was like, this is not normal. I was like, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist or, you know, and start there. I was like, but you don't need to pee yourself just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. And it, it, it really is true, though, like just because, that, you know, it's common for moms to struggle, you know, even if they don't have ADHD doesn't mean that it's it's normal. I love that. So can can you tell me a little bit about your passion project, Overcoming in Parenthood? Because I it just sounds so amazing. And I completely agree as somebody else who overshares and, you know, has no regrets when it comes to being vulnerable and talking about these, the real issues. And I lay it all out there, but I, um, I think it's so important to reduce stigma. So can you tell me about this project? Yeah. Um, so, well, thank you, COVID. Um, I have not rolled it out completely yet. Um, I still, 
with having to, you know, get my house back in order and all this new medication and just like, you know, the changes and everything, I kind of pretty much until Christmas is done, I've been like, okay, well, it's not going anywhere. You know, let me figure things out. But um, starting January, I'm really going to hit everything pretty hard. And I've got this really awesome um, photographer who is like a, I don't know if she's a business coach, but her name is Becky Rivera and she is the biggest help. She's, you know, giving me like every month here, these are some things I want you to do in the next month so we can get your business and your passion where you want it. Um, but once I start doing that, um, I've realized, um, my type of photography, um, not just the birth, um, photography, but the way that the style of photography, um, I guess you could call it a, a mix of documentary, um, like photojournalistic and lifestyle. So a lot of my stuff, I mean, I might pose somebody here or there, um, and just give them some direction. Um, or sometimes I don't, and I'm completely hands off and it's just, you know, how their family unfolds, like what their dynamic is. Um, and I really believe that every, every person, every family has a story, um, and, you know, the, the post photos, like, you know, smiling nicely at the camera for grandma, those are, they're beautiful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not knocking those at all, but for me, I think because of everything that I've lost, um, because my, my ex, I'm from Pennsylvania and I only moved to Virginia because if I hadn't, I'm pretty sure he, I wouldn't be alive right now. And, you know, having to leave my, my home that I've been at my whole life. Um, I've lost a lot of sentimental belongings and, and just so much. I kind of have a unique view of the world with all the struggles and things that I've had to endure in life, um, where I feel like I can look at things differently than most would. Um, and I, I see these beautiful moments, um, that I think either are sometimes taken for granted, um, unintentionally, of course, but, um, I, you know, with, I've just, I've seen a lot of my friends and my community and I've seen people struggle with postpartum depression, um, domestic violence, um, pregnancy and infant loss, um, pregnancy after loss. You know, I'm no stranger to that. My, my youngest is my rainbow baby and, um, infertility, ADHD, just there, there's so much. I mean, I even, you can even put, um, race issues and, you know, um, uh, like transphobia and, and, and everything. There's just so many things that parents struggle with and I want to tell their stories. You know, I want to make people uncomfortable. You know, there's, there's, there's stigmas with when it, anytime it's talking about race or domestic violence or miscarriage or stillbirth, you know, or mental illness of any kind, you know, or disabilities even, um, there's just so much stigma and judgment and I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I, you know, deal with a lot of the stigmas. I mean, like a lot of the stuff that I listed, you know, I fall into those categories. Um, and I've experienced those things and it, it's just, it's exhausting and it's tiring. And I don't, I hate how, parents, you know, men, women, whatever. I, I hate how they feel like a lot of them feel like they have to hide like, Oh, I had a miscarriage, but I didn't talk about it. And, you know, now you're seeing, you know, 
years and years later, or, you know, where people are okay with talking about it. And you're here hearing more about pregnancy and infant loss. And, you know, people are just speaking up about all kinds of issues. And I feel like, yes, a lot of them may make you feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. Just because we're uncomfortable doesn't make it bad. And if we can start talking about these topics and bring awareness to them, um, I feel like it can be, I think it's what the world needs, honestly. I mean, my first shot of it was because of, um, you know, domestic violence. And then I was like, but, you know, what about my, I've dealt with postpartum depression or, you know, all these other things. I was like, I want to talk about all of it. And at first I was like, well, that's too much. I just, I got to pick just one thing. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I can't pick one topic that I feel is more important than the other, because to me, I could, I could never say that, you know, infertility is more important than domestic violence or stillbirth is more important than, um, the black maternal mortality rate or anything. It's just, all of it is so important and I'm still trying to figure out the kinks in it, but, um, I just, I really want to find these parents and I want to sit down and I want to talk with them. And I want to know like, what struggle have you been through either on your journey to becoming a parent or during parenthood? You know, um, I want to talk about it. I, and I would love, I want to gift these people, um, a photography session. And I mean, I, in my head, I feel like I'll kind of sit down and talk with them and be like, you know, what do you envision from this type of thing? And I, I hope that through all of it, not only because I would like to blog all of these, um, but I, th- I hope that throughout all of it, um, if I could ask for anything to come of it, it would be awareness for whatever particular topic, um, you know, is being discussed in that particular moment. Um, but then also healing and peace. Like I want, I want to help. It's hard to explain. Like I have it in my head, but I don't know if that's an ADHD thing too, where like in my head, I can be like, yeah, this is what I'm thinking, but then I can't find the words to say it. But I just, I want to, I want to help heal people. You know, I want to bring some peace to them or some comfort. Um, and I, I feel like that's something the world needs. And I think we need to hear about all these topics. There's no reason you know, that they should be off limits just because people are uncomfortable. And, and I, I challenge people, honestly, you know, when I, when I do get this out there, because I'm going to, I I'm going to do this. And it's, I, I really hope it becomes this like big thing, um, you know, where people are like, Ooh, you know, what's on the blog for it today or something. But I hope that I make people uncomfortable because it's the people that are uncomfortable that I feel have the most, um, learning or, they have the most need to be more understanding. Um, if any of that makes sense. <laughs> oh, all of it. Yeah. You know, I think there's so much healing when you share, um, any kind of trauma in your life openly, and that's a tall order. And I think it's very easy for people with ADHD because we tend to be impulsive. We tend to not really think about, we tend to blurt things out without <laughs> really thinking about whether or not it's appropriate And then afterwards, you're like, crap, why did I say that? Why can't I ever learn to think before I speak? 
Right. Well, and, uh, there's so many times where I've spoken openly about, you know, uh, my history with dieting and binge eating and, you know, some of these, or even just when I, when I announced that I was doing this podcast and I hadn't really told very many people in my life that I had even been diagnosed. And, and so I kept getting these messages from people who were like, you're so brave. And I feel like I've been told this throughout my life. Like, that's so brave of you to be this open about something. And I'm sort of, I stop and I'm like, is it really brave? I don't, I, or is it, just stupid. Like I was like, I don't know. I'm just, I just blurt things out and I don't even think about whether it's brave or not. But I also know like, this is something I'm very um, grateful for because I feel the healing of being completely open about things. Yes. And you know, I've, I've, I am not, um, I am very open when it comes to, you know, the things that I've experienced, like my domestic violence, there's um, I think it's public. You could probably go to my, my page and you'll see. um, And I hope that Anything that I've said on this is not triggering for anybody. If it is, I am sending you hugs and I'm sorry, but you could go on my page and it's a public post, but there you'll see a photo of blood from my face all down me in the front of me and I'm crying and I tell my story and I post it every, like I reshare it every year and the same thing with um, the babies that I have lost and I won't name who it was because maybe they might hear this one day, but there was somebody who we were talking about like those mother's birthstone rings. And I told my husband, I want all three of my babies on there. And when I say three, I had an abortion before my first child. And the reason I conceived him was because it was out of regret. And I'm sure there's some people out there that may shame me for that, but I did what I thought was best and I wouldn't be where I am. And I wouldn't have the beautiful children that I have now had I not done that. And I'm very open about all of it. And I said that I wanted um, six birthstones, three for my my um, angel babies and three for my living babies. And this person that I was sitting next to kind of, when I had mentioned my angel babies, they had kind of, uh, kind of sort of scoffed a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there like that, but like, I've heard that I'm brave so much because I share my stories and maybe I am, but I'm just tired of feeling alone. Like I'm tired of feeling like I don't have anyone to talk to about it or that I shouldn't talk about it. And I don't want to hear that I'm brave anymore because I don't, nobody should have to be called brave to, you know, talk about things that have been hard for them. You know, whatever, whatever it is, nobody should have to feel brave for it. It should be normal. You know, um, and I mean, I know that there's a long, long, long way to go with that, but it's just, I know that we need it. And I, I, I may, maybe I'm not going to be the person that, you know, changes it. I'm not going to be like this big name and famous or anything like that. But if I can, you know, make a difference in even just a few folks lives and maybe bring just a touch of healing or comfort even just knowing that, Hey, you're not alone or like somebody cares about what you went through. Um, then I, I I can be okay with that. Oh, I'm sure you have many times over already. Just even just looking at your Instagram feed. I mean, and anyone who is listening to this podcast right now, as soon as this episode is over, go to Melissa's Instagram account. It's the photographic storyteller underscore her photos will blow you away. They are so powerful. I love your style. That, like you said, the journalistic um, documentary style. I'm sure your clients do too. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's it, it's so hard for me to take compliments. I'm just like, really me? Thanks. 
No, they are. And I'm, I, I will definitely look forward to any, any projects that you are working on in the new year. Um, and I, I do love the fact that you are giving yourself some grace uh, with these three kids and giving yourself some time off. And because I know that another thing we tend to do is once we have an idea, we urgently have to do it then, you know, as oh my soon gosh, as because, Yeah, because we'll forget about it. And then when we forget right? about it, we'll get so mad because we're like, gosh, what was that thing that I was thinking about? And, I, and then, you know, and then there's also the moment like a week later when you're like, oh, my God, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and just the overwhelm of like, oh, if I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this new project, so I have to get a website and I have to get a URL and I'm going to get all these touch with all these people. And, and then you're like, oh, it's too much. I've made it too complicated. I'm not yep. going to do anything. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so that's fantastic. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Really, really uh, love what you do and love your perspective. And uh, I know I just said your Instagram account, but how can, how can people find you? Um, so... Um, Instagram, um, and apologies for not having posted anything since like, Oh Jesus, I don't even know. Um, I swear I have lots of stuff to post, but time. Um, so Instagram is a way, um, I do have a Facebook page. It's the photographic storyteller. Um, or you can go to my website, which thank you, ADHD only is a landing page at the moment. Um, but it's the photographic storyteller.com. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out, um, for anything, um, even just to talk or, you know, whatever, my email is hello at melissahelmick.com. And like I said, even if it's just a, Hey, I don't feel so alone. Thanks. Or, Hey, I need to vent, you know, feel free. Uh, okay. Well, thank you again, Melissa. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I, uh, the same, I look forward to hearing, um, all the other folks that you get to, to talk to and hearing how we're all kind of in this together. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.